everyone for attending today's Citizen General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee meeting. Um, this meeting is being held by WebEx pursuant to the governor's executive orders and mayoral emergency proclamation suspending and modifying requirements for in-person meetings. During the COVID-19 emergency, this committee will convene remotely until the committee is legally authorized to meet in person. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the, com the public comment period are available by phone by calling 415-655-0001. Again, 415-655-0001. Access code 2486-247. 9007 again 2486-247-9007 and then press pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly and turn down your television or radio. Alternatively, you may submit public comment via email to cgobo.committee at sfgov.org and it will be forwarded to the committee and will be included as part of the official file. Please note that this meeting is recorded and will be available on sfgovtv.org. Um, Vice Chair Crawford, may I read the Ramaytush um, land acknowledgement? Yes, please do. Thank you. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Vice Chair Crawford, may I take roll? Yes, please. Thank you. Um, Members, please unmute your mics. So, Vice Chair Crawford. Here. Um, Member Gein. Here. Member Larkin. Here. Chair Matthews is absent. Member McHugh. Here. Member Pantoja. Here. And Member Ma Sanderlin. Here. Uh, we have a quorum, and for the record, it's 9.36 a.m. Okay, Roseanne, can you ask for public comment? Agenda item two, opportunity for the public to comment um, on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 
0001, access code 2486-247-9007, then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may, may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I am um, just checking the attendee list and I don't see any hands raised. I'm just giving them a second just in case they're calling in. But I think, um, yeah, I don't see any hands raised. So may we close public comment for this item? Yes, please do. Sure. So public comment is closed for item two. May I go to item three? Yes, please do. Adoption of AB 361 resolution allowing the committee to meet via teleconference during the COVID-19 emergency. Um, so that resolution was in your packet. Do we need any discussion or? Okay, may I go to public comment? Yes, please do. Thank you. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486-247-9007, then pound, then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I don't see any hands raised. So may I close public comment for this item? Yes. Thank you. Um, may I take a vote? Yes. We, we have someone who can, um, someone who can, thank you. My brain just went, my brain just went, I'm sorry everyone, I'm recovering from COVID. My brain just went blank. Um, can someone, can, can, brain fog. Yes, can someone please. Um, Move to adopt. Thank you, sorry about oh, sorry, that. That's what I'm here for. Went right out of my head. So, member, mem does anyone second? I'll second. Have second. Oh, okay. Thank you. And may I go to vote? Yes. All right. Uh, Vice Chair Crawford? Yay. Um, member Gede? I have brain fog too. <laughs> oh, no. Member Gede? Hi. There you are. Uh, Member Larkin. Aye. And Chair Matthews is absent. And Member McHugh? Yes. Member Pantoja? Yes. And Member Sanderlin? Aye. Thank you. So the resolution is adopted okay. for this meeting. Can you move on to agenda number four, agenda number item four. number four. Thank you. Um, approval with possible modification of the minutes of the October 24th, 2022 meeting. I move to approve. 
Mr. Pompano. Thank you. Second. We'll second. Thank you. Shall I go to public comment? Yes. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486-247-9007, then press pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. So I don't see any hands raised. Um, may I close public comment for this item? Yes. Okay, may I take a vote to approve the minutes? Yes. Um, Vice Chair Crawford? Aye. Member Gein? Aye. Member Larkin? Member Larkin, do you approve the minutes? Oh, I think you, you're muted. Or something happened there. Where'd he go? There you go. Um, Member Larkin, I just unmuted you. There you Thank go. Thank you. I'm having a little trouble here. Aye. That's OK. Um, Chair Matthews is absent. Member McHugh? Yes. Member Panhoa? Aye. And Member Sanderlin? Aye. OK, the minutes are approved. Thank you. Thank you, Roseanne. Can you take up item number five? Yes, thank you. <clears throat> Approval with possible modification of the re revised committee bylaws. So uh, through the chair, uh, I'm Ken Rue, Deputy City Attorney. As you know, I um, staff these meetings for uh, the City Attorney's Office. I'm sorry, there's an ambulance going by here. So if I get drowned out, um, wait a second. Perils of the Civic Center. Um, so I think this is a pretty straightforward agenda item. Last year, the Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance uh, providing for parental leave for all of its uh, policy bodies, including this body. And one of the provisions of the ordinance required all policy bodies to include that uh, parental leave policy in their bylaws. So that's what we've done here. We've added this new section, I think it's 12, section 12 of article three that provides for the parental leave policy. We also took the opportunity to clean up a few typos and errors. And uh, we also moved one section, the new section five of article one from, Previously, that was the previous Article 3, Section 12. It just seemed to make more sense in the same place. Anyway, uh, the provision of the parental leave policy is the only substantive change to the bylaws. Otherwise, they're the same. And um, as I say, it's pretty straightforward, but I'm happy to answer any questions anyone might have. 
Are there any questions from committee members? Uh, no questions, uh, Chair. I would like to move to approve. Unfortunately, I can't second it, so I'm just a uh, second. second And then Roseanne, we should be sure to take public comment before mm -hmm. you actually take the vote. So. Okay. Um, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486-247-9007, then press pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note you will have three minutes. So I'm just checking and um, I don't see any hands raised. So may I close public comment for this item? Yes, please do. And can you take a vote? Thank you. Vice Chair Crawford? Aye. Member Gein? Aye. Member Larkin? Aye. Chair Matthews is absent. Member McHugh? Yes. Member Pantoja? Aye. Thank you. Member Sanderlin? Aye. Okay. The changed bylaws are approved. Thank you. Thank you, Roseanne. Can you take up item number six? Item number six, presentation from the Department of Public Works regarding the 2008 San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center Earthquake Safety Bonds SF Rebuild and 2016 Public Health and Safety Bond and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Um, today we have Joe Chin as our presenter. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, Joe. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Can you see this? The PowerPoint I'm sharing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Let me go ahead and start. Uh, good morning, Vice Chair Crawford and members of the Seagullbach Committee. My name is Joe Chin, Public Works Program Manager for the 2016 Public Health and Safety Bond Program, uh, PHS for short. I'm here this morning to give you an update on the PHS Bond Program. I'm also joined today by members of the Public Works Project Management Team and client, client department representatives in support of the program and to help answer any uh, project-specific questions. My last formal presentation to Seagullbach was December of 2021. This first slide provides an overall summary of the funding allocation for each of the six bond components that are part of the PHS program. As a reminder, the total approved bond authorization amount for the public health and safety bond program is 350 million, which provides funding for three client departments allocated across six components. The three client departments are Department of Public Health, San Francisco Fire Department, and Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Of the 350 million, 
272 million has been allocated to three DPH components, which includes the ZSFG Building 5, Southeast Health Center, and the Community Health Center. ZSFG Building 5 is the former acute care hospital prior to the completion of the new hospital in 2016. Projects under the Building 5 component is intended to focus on clinical improvements, seismic upgrade, IT improvements, and infrastructure improvement projects that allow this that will allow this 1970s building to be seismically retrofitted and converted into an updated ambulatory care center. 58 million has been allocated to two San Francisco Fire Department components, which are the Ambulance Deployment Facility, ADF for short, and the Neighborhood Fire Station. 20 million has also been allocated to the Homeless Service Site component. To date, the program has completed all three bond sales. This next slide provides an executive summary of the program accomplishments this past year. This year is now the sixth year after the approval of the PHS bond. And I'm happy to report that the flagship projects under three of the six components have been completed and the projects are currently in the closeout phase. These three components include the Community Health Center, Southeast Health Center, and the Ambulance Deployment Facility. Under the Homeless Service Site component, the 106468 Mission Street project is also now completed and in the closeout phase as well. I will provide more details of these projects in, in the upcoming slides. On the ZSFG Building 5 component, we're able to complete two projects this past year with now seven projects in active construction. On the NFS component, we have received bid on the Fire Station 3744 generator project and look forward to worrying this project and starting construction by the first quarter of 2023. For upcoming milestones, the team will be focused on issuing final completion for the Castro Mission Health Center, Southeast Health Center, the Ambulance Deployment Facility, and the 106468 Mission Street projects. On the ZSFG Building 5 component, we're also focused on completing the Psychiatric Emergency Services, PES, early demo project and anticipating getting HCI plan approval for the main project, which would then allow us to start bidding and construction next year. On the HSH component, the team is currently completing the design documents for 1001 Polk Street, 525 Fifth Street projects, and is targeting to start construction next year. There has not been any change in the bond sales and appropriation for the program, as all bond components are fully funded with the third and final bond sale completed around two years ago in November of 2020. The risks and challenges continue to be the same items that we've been tracking since the onset of the program, as well as the newly added COVID-19 cost and time impacts that I mentioned last year, which is creating an unprecedented material cost escalation and supply chain impacts for the entire construction industry. We have been financially impacted on many of the ZSFG Building 5 projects, as we were in the middle of, building, of bidding out our projects in 2021 timeline, which was during the middle of the, of the pandemic. Because of these financial impacts, a number of the Building 5 projects have been placed on the hold until DPH can identify alternative fund sources to supplement the bond funds. In addition to these risks and challenges, I've mentioned before that any project in Building 5 is also inherently challenging, even without the COVID-19 impacts. Building 5 is an active hospital that is over 50 years old that contains significant amounts of hazardous material and unforeseen conditions and post-tension slabs and beams that make construction in this building especially challenging. 
The current and revised budget for the ZSFG component is $205.2 million. Expenditures plus encumbrances combined is approximately $178 million. This past year, we have completed and received HCAR approval for the Rehabilitation Department Phases 1 and 2 in the 6-8 search space projects. There are currently seven projects in active construction. Six of the seven projects are being delivered as part of a larger construction manager, general contractor, also known as the CMGC contract. These six projects include the seismic upgrade, dialysis relocation, public health lab, IT infrastructure, and clinical laboratory automated track replacement projects. These six projects are tracking a construction duration of 18 months to two years. The Rehabilitation Department Phase 3 project is being delivered using the more traditional design bid-build delivery method, also known as low bid, with construction NTP issued in October of 2022. As you can see from the list of projects, there are a significant amount of active construction in Building 5, which further amplifies the need for ongoing coordination with DPH to minimize impact with clinical operations in this very busy hospital. By middle of next year, I'm anticipating the Psychiatric Emergency Services Project to start construction as well. The current revised budget for the Southeast Health Center component is $37.1 million. Expenditures plus encumbrances combined is approximately $35 million. The Southeast Health Center is located in District 10 of the Bayview neighborhood and consists of the construction of a new 22,000 square feet health center adjacent to the existing health center. Project achieves building substantial completion on August 19 of this year and the new clinic opened to patients on July 29. The contractor recently completed the site improvements after the staff, after the staff moved into the new health center with a target completion date by the end of the year for the entire project. The current revised budget for the community health center component is 29.5 million. Expenditures plus encumbrances combined is approximately 28.2 million. The community health center component tracks two comprehensive community health center projects that include seismic retrofit and interior renovation scopes. They are the Maxine Hall Health Center located in District 5 and Castro Mission Health Center located in District 8. The Maxine Hall Health Center building renovation project achieves potential completion in October 2021. Public Works recently completed a new Phase 2 project that added additional cooling capacity to the building in September of 2022. Castro Mission Health Center achieved substantial completion on July 1st of 2022 and the clinic reopened to patients on August of this year. The team is currently targeting to issue final completion by the end of the year for this project. The ADF component consists of the construction of a new ambulance deployment facility that's, that will serve the San Francisco Fire Department's EMS division. This new essential facility includes parking for the ambulance and fleet, storage for the ambulance supplies and restocking, conference rooms and training rooms and other administrative functions. The project achieved substantial completion and has been occupied since May of 2021. The project is 99% completed with punches and added scopes with the target date to issue final completion by the end of the year. The neighborhood fire station component consists of host tower removal at six fire stations, fire station 6, 11, 12, 15, 21, 38, to mitigate the seismic risks associated with them and generate replacements at three fire stations. Fire Station 18, 37, and 44. All house tower removal projects have been completed as of March 2021, except for Fire Station 15. 
PlayStation 15 will start bidding by, by middle of 2023 as a separate and standalone project because it includes the removal and rebuilding of the new replacement host tower. Fire Station 3744 generator replacement projects was bid out in August of 2022, but a contract award has been delayed because of receive of only one bid. Contract award and construction start is expected by early 2023, which is pending the Public Works Commission approval to negotiate and award the contract to the sole bidder. On the homeless service site component, there are three general schools that are being tracked. The design and construction of 440 Turk Street, which is the centralized administrative office for HSH, as well as the client access point. Building improvements at three city-owned adult shelters, 1001 Polk Street, 525 5th Street, and 260 Golden Gate. And design and construction at 106468 Mission, which will become the new office and service space for the San Francisco Homeless Outreach Team. 440 Turk Street was completed in 2019. Design of the other two shelters, 525 5th Street and 1001 Polk Street, are focused on critical building repair and deferred maintenance scopes. Both projects also receive additional funding from the Capital Planning Committee that will supplement the bond funds, which will now allow more critical repair scopes to be included as part of the base scope. 1001 Polk Street is, anticipated, is anticipating DBI plan approval in early 2023 525 5th Street will be submitted to DBI for expedited plan review in early 2023 as well. 106468 Mission is a project that is managed directly by HSH staff. Project achieved substantial completion in September of 2022 and is currently in use. This final slide is a detailed financial summary table that shows the original and revised program budget and expenditures and encumbrances for all bond components. I won't go through all the financial data line by line as the numbers are pretty self-explanatory. I do wanna point out a few key statistics uh, for, your, for, your, for your review. Overall, the bond program is currently at 68% complete based on expenditures only and over 88% complete based on expenditures plus encumbrances. That concludes my presentation for today. My team and I are now available to take any questions that you may have. Thank you. I got one. Yes, please. Uh, Joe, um, going back to one of your earlier slides, um, it was section four about risks and you had an, a new bullet point in there about uh, COVID related delays. Um, I've had this discussion with a city attorney, but you may have some updates to it. Have you been getting any, any claims from any of your contractors over COVID-related delays? I mean, I understand you've seen price escalation because of increased transportation costs, et cetera, but anything more specific than that, like contractors saying, you delayed us, you getting access to some of the sites and, and, and we wanna be compensated for that. Uh, uh, thank you uh, for the question, uh, Member Larkin. Uh, the uh, short answer, yes, uh, we have seen kind of different flavors of COVID-related impacts, uh, some of which are more tangible. You know, they include uh, additional um, costs associated with contracting, having to hire you know, uh, safety 
manager to you know, review uh, COVID protocols, also maybe potentially hiring additional laborers to do uh, sanitizing to comply with the health ordinances. So those, uh, I think, you know, the city has been uh, reviewed and generally ag agreed to them because they, they're aligned with uh, all projects and they uh, are actual costs that we can point to. There has been other costs that contract has, has submitted that we the city has rejected, um, some of which are related to uh, the uh, COVID-19 uh, testing that was, that was the contract had performed on behalf of the workers. So those that the city so far has, has denied as it has not been a, a requirement uh, on, on the health ordinances. So you'll probably be in continuing discussions with that because the city denied them doesn't mean that they're not going to come back later and, you know, maybe even file a claim. That, uh, that's a very astute point, so you, you're, you're <laughs> correct. <laughs> you are well, correct. Well, well, good luck with that. But, but you know, you, you'll be reporting again, and I'll ask about them. These things are, are, are slow and developing. Yes. Ken can tell us that. Okay, Joe, good report. Thank you. If there's no, if there are no additional questions from the committee, Roseanne, can you take public comment? Yes. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486, Two four seven nine zero zero seven, then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. I don't see um, any hand raised, so Shall we close public comment for this item? Yes. Okay, so public comment is now closed. May I go on to agenda item seven? Yes, thank you. Roseanne. Thank you. Liaison report 2008 and 2012 clean and safe neighborhood park spawns. And our liaison is member Pantoja. All right, thank you, Roseanne. Thank you. Good morning, uh, fellow uh, commissioners and everybody listening in. So it looks like on the agenda, the next thing is the public parks perception survey, which is going to tell a lot. Um, so I don't want to steal the uh, <laughs> their their thunder, uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, city parks, you know, they they continue they continue to do. Um, you know, a great job. Basically, it, it's it's easy to see that our money is being spent well, the coordinating, the planning, everything is, uh, you know, uh, it, it's reasonable, it makes sense, it's got good logic. Um, the surveys we asked to get done, I think it was a few years ago that we started this process. And of course, with, uh, you know, all the things we suffered the last couple of years, it, it went to the back burner a bit, but it actually, it's finally come to fruition, it's happened. The report coming up from uh, the survey 
team is uh, I'm sure is going to be outstanding. And uh, ultimately what I got out of working with the team uh, is uh, that people are pretty happy with our parks. So um, I'll leave it there for now. I will, I will provide a, a written report uh, to kind of sum that up. Uh, but again, I don't want to take away from the presentation you're about to, to see. So uh, that'll be it for my report for now. Are there any questions from committee? All right, if there are no questions from the committee, thank you, member Pantoja. You're welcome. And Roseanne, can you move um, on, or can you ask for public comment? Yes, thank you. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001 access code 2486-247-9007 and then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. Um, we currently don't have any attendees, so may I close public comment for this item? Yes. Thank you. So public comment is now closed. Okay, can you move on to item number eight on the agenda? Yes, thank you. Presentation by the Controller City Performance Division on the Parks Public Perception Survey and possible action by the committee in response to this presentation. Um, our, our presenter is Kat Benson. Um, Kat, will you be presenting your, um, will you be showing the slides? Yes. Okay. I just gave you permission to show your slides. Okay, can everyone see my slides? It's perfect. Okay, great. Um, so thank you so much for having me. My name is Kat Benson and I'm here to present on the Park Satisfaction Survey for Willy Woo Woo Wong and Sanyan Street Edge Parks. Um, so I am a senior analyst with the City Performance Unit at the Controller's Office. And I just wanted to say a special thank you to the rest of the project team Emily Von Solos, Glynis Starts, and Alice Passenger. It was definitely a group effort to complete this project. So I just wanted to say thank you again to the team. So this is our agenda for today. We'll first look at Willy Woo Woo Wong Playground. We'll look at the respondent demographics, survey findings, and interview findings. We'll then move on to Sanyan Street Edge Park, looking at respondent demographics and survey findings. And then there'll be time for next steps and questions at the end of the presentation. So this is the second satisfaction survey that Sigobach requested that the controller's office manage. Um, and specifically, Sigobach requested that we analyze the, the answers to the following questions. Was bond money used successfully to improve parks for the public? What is the public satisfaction with the park renovations? 
and our park renovations serving residents of SF, specifically underserved communities. So these are the questions that we try to answer with our analysis. So together, the controller's office and Seagobok chose two sites. Uh, one was a neighborhood-specific site, which is Willy Wu Wong Playground in Chinatown. Uh, the second site was more of a citywide benefit, um, which is Stanion Street Edge of Golden Gate Park. Uh, the controller's office contracted with two firms, EMC and Interethnica, for the survey design and data collection. There were over 900 quantitative surveys completed per park and 50 follow-up in-depth interviews completed with volunteer Willy Wu Wu Wong participants. Um, so this is an image of Willy Wu Wu Wong Playground. Um, I wanted to put this here just so for folks who haven't had a chance to visit, you can get a sense of the park. So one really unique um, thing about this park is that the playground is inspired by Chinese mythology. And so that's something I wanted to share with you all. So Willy Wu Wong Playground is located in the heart of Chinatown and named for a University of San Francisco basketball star. It was a $14.5 million renovation funded in part through the 2012 Clean and Safe Neighborhood Parks Bond. Uh, the renovation included an expanded children's play area, new clubhouse, and improved access to the park. Um, and the renovation process included extensive community outreach and feedback with the local Chinese community. And the project was completed in February of 2021. So moving on to respondent demographics, more than half of respondents identified as Chinese specifically and 88% identified as Asian more broadly. And more than half of the surveys were conducted in Cantonese and over two thirds were conducted in a Chinese language. Um, so this is consistent with what we would expect given the location in Chinatown. Most respondents live in the Chinatown neighborhood and two thirds of respondents visit the park at least one time per week and one third visit three or more times per week. So our respondents are visiting the park quite frequently. So now we're moving into some of the survey results. Nine out of 10 respondents rated the overall park quality highly, and we're very happy with these results. 51% rated the park quality as excellent, 42% rated it good, 7% only fair, and 0% poor. And the average park quality rating is a 3.43 out of four. And that's on a scale of one is poor, two is only fair, three is good and four is excellent. So the average park quality rating is between a good and an excellent. So one thing that was interesting about the results that we found for Willy Wu Wu Wong is we found that Asian respondents generally rated the park more neutrally than respondents of other races. Respondents of all the races rated the park a 3.83 out of four, whereas Asian or Asian American respondents rated the park a 3.38 out of four. Um, and this could be because of a couple of different reasons. Uh, we consulted with our contractors who are survey experts, and they shared it could be because Asian people are known to avoid extreme responses on surveys, or it could be due to true differing opinions about the park quality. Um, unfortunately, we're not sure about the reason behind these results, but we still thought that they were important to share. Respondents from the neighborhood generally rated the park equally highly as those from outside of the neighborhood. Those visiting from outside SF rated the park a 3.56 out of four. Neighborhood locals rated the park a 3.47 out of four. 
and those local to San Francisco, but outside of the neighborhood rated the park a 3.36 out of four. And while there are small differences between the respondent ratings, all of these groups rated the park highly. Uh, most park features were rated highly. Uh, the features rated most highly were the appearance, the incorporation of Chinese culture, the sports grounds, the playgrounds, and safety. And the features rated least highly were the restrooms, cleanliness, and clubhouse facilities. And I'll talk more about the restrooms in later slides. Out of those who visited before the renovation, more than nine out of 10 rated the park as better than before. So 94% said the park was better than before. 3% said no change than before. 2% said worse than before. And 1% said they don't remember it before. So these are really strong results and we're, we're happy to see the, the, these findings. So it's not only that folks um, liked the renovation, but they're actually more likely to visit the park because of the renovation. Um, so 76% of respondents said, I visit the park more often because of the update. 21% said the update made no, makes no difference in how much I visit. And 4% says I said I visit the park less often because of the update. Um, so this is exciting in that uh, folks are more likely to visit the park because of the update. Most respondents also thought the park represented the history and culture of Chinatown. One respondent shared that the layout and design of the park are very good. I like the incorporation of the culture, like the dragon themed play structure that reflects the predominant culture in the area. It is organic. It created a, a space for Chinese people to feel welcome, comfortable and safe from anti-Asian violence. Uh, many respondents did share the bathrooms as an area for improvement. Um, participants didn't want the bathrooms removed, but shared that there were aspects of this feature that made it their least favorite, including a general lack of cleanliness, overly hot water temperature causing a dangerous situation for children, a broken restroom door and faucet, use of the restroom by people experiencing homelessness, and behavior of other bathroom users making children scared to enter. Um, I do think one thing that's important to note, though, that these improvements um, are related, to, mostly related to the maintenance of the, the restrooms and not necessarily related to how the bond money was spent on the bathroom. Um, so those are the results for uh, Willy Woo Woo Wong Park. Um, now I'm going to transition into Stanion Street Edge. Um, so you can see the park here. It's actually not its own park, but it's part of Golden Gate Park on the eastern edge. And so one thing to note about um, this area is that it's it's less of a destination than Willy Woo Woo Wong and that folks are walking through Stanion Street Edge in order to access other parts of Golden Gate Park um, or access other neighborhoods. And so I think that's important context to note when we're looking at the survey responses for Stanion Street Edge Park. So this was a $5.5 million suite of projects, also funded by the 2012 Clean and Safe Neighborhood Parks Bond. Um, and the focus was on renovating Stanion Street Entry Plaza, adding a pedestrian sidewalk, landscape improvements, bocce ball, and converting an existing restroom to flywheel coffee. And this project was completed in fall of 2020. 
So in contrast to Willy Wu Wu Wong, um, most of the respondents to this survey identified as white. So 59% identified as white, 15% identified as Asian or Asian American, 14% identified as Hispanic or Latino, and 12% fall into the remaining categories. So despite uh, Golden Gate Park being a tourist destination, most of the respondents to the survey are from San Francisco and over 40% are from the actual neighborhood. 43% uh, are neighborhood locals, 38% are visiting from outside of San Francisco, and 19% are locals to San Francisco, but from a different neighborhood. So moving into the survey results, 95% uh, of respondents rated the park quality highly. So we're very happy about these results. 65% of respondents rated the park excellent. 31% rated the park good. 41, excuse me, 4% rated the park only, only fair and 0% rated the park poor. Um, and this park had an average park quality rating of a 3.6 out of four. So that's also between an, an average rating of good and excellent. So one thing that's important to note is the park was rated equally highly among locals and visitors. Uh, neighborhood locals rated the park a 3.64 out of four. Those visiting from outside of San Francisco rated the park a 3.63 out of four. And those local to San Francisco, but visiting outside the neighborhood rated the park a 3.46 out of four. Um, so while there are small difference between, differences between the respondent ratings, all of the respondent groups rated the park quality highly. Um, so when looking at race and ethnicity, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Asian American, and white respondents all rated the park quality highly. Uh, so white respondents rated the park a 3.68 out of four. Hispanic Latino respondents rated the park a 3.58 out of four. And Asian, Asian American respondents rated the park a 3.46 out of four. Um, and something that's important to note on this slide is that race and ethnicity groups and few, with fewer than 50 responses are not shown. So that includes black African-American respondents and multiracial re respondents. Um, and the reason for that is that we simply didn't have enough responses um, to come up with some significant uh, results from those responses. And so similarly, while there are slight differences between the race and ethnicity groups, um, everyone rated the park quality highly. So we're happy with these results. All of the park features were rated very highly. Um, almost 100% of respondents rated the appearance and trails as good or excellent. Um, but like Willy Wu Wong, the restrooms were the lowest rated feature, um, which is probably not surprising. And only 85% of respondents rated the feature as good or excellent. So out of those who visited the park before the renovation, nine out of 10 rated the park as better than before. Um, so 89% of respondents said the park was better than before, 6% said they don't remember it before, 5% said no change from before, and only 1% said worse than before. So overall, we're also very happy to see these results. Um, 
Out of those who visited before the renovation, one out of two visit the park more often than before. So this is actually in contrast to Willy Woo Wong, where 75% of respondents said that they were more likely to visit the park because of the update. Um, and so one hypothesis is that this is because Stanyan Street is, is more of a thoroughfare and a little bit less of a destination. Um, and so folks are likely to walk through the park um, no matter the renovation. So um, while they appreciate the renovation, it didn't make a huge difference in how likely they were to visit the section of the park. Many respondents appreciate the natural elements. The features they liked most were the lake, the trees and grass, the general greenery, and the high five zone, which is shown on the left. Um, and the areas for improvement included more trash cans, more seating, and more bathrooms. Um, so that concludes the presentation. I just want to say thank you to you all for listening. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions or hear comments. Um, and if there isn't time, you can also reach me via email with any additional questions or comments. Kat, I have a question. Yeah. What is the high five zone? So the high five zone is this little area where it kind of teaches um, children to high five each other. So you can see like there's a far, there's a far high five set up at the far end of this pathway and the near end of the pathway. So it's just a little like interactive children's area. Got it. That's a good question. I have questions. Yes. Is, is there still, and I might have missed, is there still the little like learning how to ride your bike area right there? Um, that is a good question and I am not sure. I could look into that though and get back to you. Um, and my other question is around the bathroom. So what, what, what were, what are, did we get any comments in regards to um, why folks might not really feel like the bathrooms have improved or not? Um, for Willie Wu Wong or for Stanyan Street or both? For both. Um, yeah, so for Willie Wu Wong, we had comments um, about that folks had about the bathrooms. Um, they shared that there was an overly hot water temperature. They shared that um, the bathroom was being used by people experiencing homelessness. Um, they shared that there were other users making their children scared to enter. So those were some comments about Willie Wu Wong bathrooms. Um, the only comments that I have off the top of my head about the standing street bathrooms were just that there weren't enough bathrooms. But I'm happy to look into that further for you, if that would be helpful. How many are there at the standing place, Street Edge? I think there, off the top of my head, I think there's maybe one or two sets of bathrooms, so I'd have to double check. the chair, if I may. So this is uh, Bart. Um, you know, when, when it came to the bathrooms, one of the things that, uh, you know, I had some discussions with the uh, survey uh, teams, you know, the, the overall structure and new bathrooms wasn't the issue, was the maintenance. And that was one of my questions, even for Park and Rec in general, because, uh, you know, that comes from different funding for DPW to maintain, keep, you know, the grass cut, all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, because that's that's the, the the shame of uh, having a new bathroom that's great is 
the maintenance, you know, the long, the longevity, uh, the long term uh, of keeping it in good operations. And anyway, it, here's the, here's the reality. You know, I've taken my kids to the park, you know, all kinds of different parks. And the moment you get there, they have to go to the bathroom. Right. I mean, that's just the nature of Murphy's law, you know, and if you don't, if you're, if you, if the park is close to home, it's not such an issue, but if it is a destination where you went kind of far to go to a certain park, you know, that's uh, definitely something to be concerned with. Um, so yeah, those two are my, my comments on that. All right. Are there any other questions from committee members? Okay. Thank you so much, I, Pat. Oh, I'm the chair, sorry. One last thing. I, I'm sorry. I uh, appreciate the extra time, uh, Chair uh, Crawford. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but in San Francisco, our parks have been highlighted <clears throat> in, you know, national papers. Uh, you know, we got a lot of things in San Francisco that aren't going so well. Our parks and one of the you know glorious things that we have, kind of the the shining stars that we have in a lot of ways. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was just driving down Third Street to Walgreens yesterday, and and uh, Martin Luther King Park playgrounds finished. You know, it feels like even though it took a couple of years, the fences were up, or it took a year or so, it still feels like it's overnight. And I'm excited to take my grandson and granddaughter to that park soon. Um, I do want to thank the uh, survey team. I'm glad this happened, and I and I hope in the future that we, you know, as we go, we do this again in a couple of years to look at the new new parks and uh, look forward to maybe some parks in the Bayview area that they could uh, survey. So I would like to put that in the, the record, I guess. Thanks. Thank you, member Pantoja. If there are no other questions or comments from committee members, Roseanne, can you move on to um, public comment, if we have any. Roseanne, you're muted. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486-247-9007, and then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. So I do not see any attendees. So may we close public comment? Yes, please do. You Thank can you. move on to, yes, agenda item nine. Thank you. Opportunity for the committee members to comment or take action on any matters within the committee's jurisdiction. Um, A, audits unit, public integrity reviews. B, performance unit, public perception survey project. C, CSA division updates and work plan. D, public finance upcoming bond issuances. And E, C, GOBAC fiscal year 2022 to 2023 work plan liaison and meeting dates. Good morning committee. This is Natasha Mihal, the city performance director of one side of the city services auditor division. So I will run us through this agenda section and I'm gonna hand it over to uh, Mark Delarosa first uh, to give us an update on the public integrity reviews. 
Really. Uh, good morning, committee members. Uh, good morning, uh, Chair Crawford, Mark De La Rosa from the uh, CSA Audits Division. Uh, on the uh, public integrity front, uh, since your last meeting in October, uh, we have not issued any new uh, reports. However, we are gearing up to issue our next uh, report, which is on the status of our uh, recommendations implementation, which is our two-year report. Um, our plan is to issue this in the uh, coming weeks. Uh, in addition to that, we're also working on a couple of other audits engagements related to public integrity, one related to the landfill disposal agreements audit, which we will issue in the spring. And then the other one is on the SF Public Utilities Commission uh, public integrity uh, assessment that we hope to, or we plan to issue sometime in uh, in Q3, so January or February of, of 2023. Great, thanks for that. Um, on the city performance public perception survey project, so we have now concluded the project uh, that Kat uh, talked about today, the results. I think this is probably also just good information for the committee to think about of where would there be value in doing some version of a public perception survey on some of the bond projects. I think some bond projects have more identifiable users than others. Parks is a little bit more straightforward. Um, but we have been thinking about how we can do this in a little bit of a more agile, uh, i.e. less expensive way to maybe cover some more areas, um, including parts of the city, as Member Pantoja had mentioned. So we're happy to kind of do some future planning with that um, in the next couple of months. For the CSA division update. Oh, yes. Natasha, I had a question about that. Yeah. Um, Member Pantoja did mention um, specifically in the southeast section of the city, getting some parks. How how does um, the team determine which areas of the city or which parks to survey um, next? I guess. And then my other question is, where um, where can the public easily find this information? So on the first question, I don't actually know how the two parks were determined. The people who were generally working on that um, aren't with us anymore, though I think I have one person I can ask to find out on the genesis of that one. On the second one, Kat, if you're still here, I think you are going to put the uh, survey results up on the website. Yeah, that's correct. Um, in the coming weeks or months, the survey results will be publicly available on the CGOVAC website. Great. But I do take the point of let's be thoughtful when we are selecting parks. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a, or if we're going to do park perception studies on the park bonds to try to cover uh, the city in a thoughtful way, I think would be helpful. On the CSA division uh, updates and work plan, I will go first. Um, on the city performance side, last Monday, we issued the fiscal year 22 performance measure annual report. So this includes performance measure reports for all departments within the city. Um, the results for this past fiscal year and then prior fiscal years. So there's many, 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 many pages of that. and. So in order to be able to see the forest a little bit for the trees, there's a nice executive summary section that's about 15, 16 pages. 
that highlights some key performance measures uh, in different project areas. And so it's a kind of a useful information to get a snapshot of some key performance measures across the city. If any of the members are not on the controller's office reports distribution list where you might get our press release or press releases or reports, please let Roseanne know and we can make sure to get you signed up for that. Uh, this week, we will be issuing on Thursday the Our City, Our Home annual report. So this is the Prop C from a couple of years ago on uh, homelessness and mental health spending. This is going to, this is a really comprehensive report that's actually going to be web-based that is taking a look at both how the Prop C funds have been spent, in which areas have they been spent, who has been served, so the demographics of clients, as well as some of the outcomes of those programs. So it's a really the first comprehensive view um, that I think is gonna be really interesting for a lot of us who have been curious um, on performance metrics in the homelessness space. It is focused on OCOH funding, but I do think the hope is that uh, at some point we'll be able to broaden that kind of reporting citywide in the next couple of years. And then the last thing I wanted to mention that we're working on is finalizing um, the annual report from last fiscal year for our nonprofit monitoring program. So this is the program that we run with 12 departments um, where we coordinate the monitoring and fiscal compliance efforts of departments for nonprofits uh, to streamline the process for a nonprofit so that they're not being monitored by multiple agencies, that there's a coordinated effort. So we're working on the annual report for that, but there's a lot going on in the nonprofit space. I'm sure Mark will touch on something uh, related to that to one of their recent audit reports. So we in the controller's office and city services auditor in general, um, both sides of the shop are taking a look at what does our work in the nonprofit space look like with a combination of audits and our city performance technical assistance type projects and how we might want to adjust or grow that. Uh, based on sort of the state of the world right now. So there's just some highlights from the city performance division. Mark? Yes, uh, thanks Natasha. Um, just to um, uh, follow up on, on the uh, nonprofit topic, um, as Natasha mentioned, um, we are too in, in CSA audits uh, completing a host of, of, of uh, engagements uh, related to nonprofits. Uh, back in August of, of this year, we issued a citywide nonprofit performance audit in which we looked at the various ways that uh, a number of departments oversee nonprofits. Um, uh, that audit uh, included four recommendations uh, in which our city performance team will work with the departments in implementing those recommendations. Uh, the second uh, nonprofit related audit, which is something that we issued uh, about a month ago now, um, which is related to the United Council of Human Services, which is a nonprofit that is um, that has a contract through a fiscal sponsorship through the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Um, that audit that we issued in, in November uh, included uh, findings and recommendations related to that nonprofit's um, uh, eligibility implementation, uh, their uh, compliance with the expenditure and budgeting requirements for the contract, as well as uh, recommendations related to the oversight of the department uh, related to that um, nonprofit. Um, as with all of our audits, we follow up on all of our recommendations every six months. 
Uh, so within the six month uh, period since uh, from the time of issuance, we will be um, uh, collecting information on any implementation status updates and we will be reporting out on those um, status updates as part of our um, biannual uh, reports on, on uh, public on our recommendation implementation. In addition to that, we uh, continue to complete our work on various internal controls related audits on procurement, contracting. Um, we do have uh, one that is in our current year work plan on bond expenditure. Um, we also continue to work on, um, as we have previously reported, um, related to our COVID-19 disaster cost recovery. Uh, so this is one that, that is part of, of what uh, CSA is, is required to do during an emergency. And given that the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, is still uh, not, um, not, not done, we continue to claim our city costs in order to maximize our FEMA and Cal OES reimbursements. Uh, so that is uh, continuing throughout this fiscal year. Um, and that in addition to our whistleblower program, as well as our other ongoing audits uh, in IT cybersecurity um, and, and other uh, uh, programs uh, will continue for the fiscal year. Thanks for that. And then I'd like to hand it over to Vishal on the Office of Public Finance update. Good morning, everyone. Uh this is Vishal Thirudi from the Office of Public Finance. Uh, just to quickly review, I believe uh, we had our uh, forward calendar memo in your uh, in your packet. And uh, just a quick update on our GEO program uh, for new issuances. We are expecting to introduce legislation at the Board of Supervisors tomorrow uh, to approve uh, issuances for the health and recovery bond, uh, seawall bond, and affordable housing bond from 2019. Uh, we're expecting to price and sell all of those together. Uh, we'll he have it heard at budget and finance in January. And then uh, we expect to issue uh, around April of next year. Uh, and so I, I believe that the next time you, you get uh, updates from those programs, they, sh they should be discussing what projects they intend to fund. Uh, and there will be a bond accountability report for them as well. Uh, there's also the approved amount from um, 20. 21, I believe, uh, for health and recovery to fund DPH and HSH projects, but uh, we don't have an update yet as to when that amount will be issued. Uh, there's also a potential pass affordable housing issuance. They're, the balance of their uh, authorization, uh, 85.7 million could be, be issued as early as next fiscal year, the beginning of next fiscal year. Uh, the pass affordable housing amount con continues to accrue. Um, the 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 way that that program is structured, uh, thirty five million dollars of authority opens up every fiscal year from from the authorized amount, and so the they're not able to issue the the final amount until next fiscal year when the when the balance of that eighty five point seven million uh, will will be um, allowed to be issued. So uh, that's that's the earliest that that they can issue that amount. So that's that's it for the Office of Public Finance uh, forward calendar update. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to take them. Thank you. Thanks for that. Before before we get to the uh, GOBAC calendar and work plan, are there any questions for items in this group? Yes, I have a question uh, for Michelle. So you mentioned uh, the bonds going up, you're bundling together, and you said it was in the packet. Where exactly is that? I was looking on the webpage in our agenda deal and also in the email. I'm not exactly sure where I would find that. 
Uh, yes, on, on the website agenda, for example, it's the second uh, item at the links at the bottom, Office of Public Finance debt calendar for CGOBAC, December 12, 2022. Excellent. Thank you. Just a one page memo with the with the amounts that we expect not to exceed amounts and the, the dates that we expect for the different programs. All right, perfect. I was clicking through that and you answer my question. Thank you. No problem. Other questions? Roseanne, can you give me the ability to share my screen? Uh, yeah, I'd like to pull up. We do this every time uh, and it is linked the calendar for our next meetings, but I just wanted to sort of share it as we are discussing here. Uh, so for this, I'm going to assume you can see the calendar. <laughs> I don't yes. know what the computer has done here. Um, for the next meeting, uh, we will be hearing the three housing bonds uh, program report, and then we have two liaison reports. I was going through my notes for the earthquake safety ether bond um, and went through the minutes as well. I thought we had assigned a liaison to this. Does anybody remember doing that? Too. Um, I thought we had also... Is but I didn't see it in any meeting notes. And so I think that was the issue is that we will need to get someone assigned if we don't have a person who is. I'm, I'm assigned to the earthquake safety. One. Ah, okay. So perfect. So Roseanne, we'll just update this tracker for next time. Okay. Uh, and then member Dean, have you been connected with the owners of this bond yet? Okay, yeah. perfect. great. Um, so we'll have the liaison report for that one, and then we'll have for the new 2020 recovery bond, we'll also be having a liaison report. Um, and it looks like the whistleblower semi-annual report, uh, and then just the regular CSA annual report. So I just wanted to go through this with everyone um, in case you don't see it down at the bottom of all of those links. Natasha, can you, I have a question about this and Roseanne um, brought it up, I believe in an email earlier this week about some of the, um, you know, program managers do annual reports, some do semi-annual reports. And is there anything in our bylaws that determine which do two reports versus one? That I don't, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say there's nothing in the bylaws that addresses that. That's a that's a, a committee policy that I think is developed over time by direction of the committee and the chair working okay. with staff and it can be amended as you all see fit. Okay. Yeah, so it's, 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 uh, there's annual, semi-annual, and there's also some bonds who have been reporting quarterly. So you might see an updated spreadsheet. So I think it is something that we do want to clarify. Um, nor, I think in, in the past, the pro, the process has been a bond team will come and report once a year to the committee. On the off year, six months later, when there's a liaison report, is the time that the departments should be providing some sort of written update on this. So I think it's going to be a matter of confirming if that is the desire of the committee and then working with the departments to let them know that that would be the process. I think some uh, are also providing quarterly written reports 
or, or some are providing written reports every quarter plus a semi-annual. So it just seems like there's there's not consistency across. Maybe maybe there was a really good reason for why there's not consistency across. And I would like to just, maybe we can talk about that at a future meeting. I think that'd be good to talk, talk about as the future meeting as a liaison. I think you would also have some insight into whether there are certain bonds that might need more regular reporting. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be good to think about. And we can talk about this next time after people have given it a little bit of thought uh, into how we might want to standardize that. Okay. Any other questions in this section nine? Okay, thanks. Okay, if we don't have any other questions, Roseanne, can you um, take public comment? Sure. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2486-247-9007, then pound and then pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to, to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have three minutes. So we unfortunately don't have any attendees. So may I close public comment? Yes, please. Public comment is now closed. May we go to adjournment? Yes. Can we get a motion to adjourn this December meeting? So moved. Seconded. Thank you. For the record, it's 1046 AM. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank um, you. Happy, happy holidays and happy see you in February. God bless. Happy, happy New Year. Year.